Welcome everyone. This is the Ministry of the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. It's been my honor to be the Bible teacher for this ministry for over 20 years. We rejoice to be able to come to you every weekday. This is a program of the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its Missions Fellowship, the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. You can learn more about our work by going to traincpe.org. This is the last of three broadcasts devoted to what Jesus taught about Satan. If you've not heard the first two broadcasts, I encourage you to go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links to the radio archive. Satan is a strong accuser, but the Lord Jesus is stronger, and his eye is on Satan's downfall. Today we learn how our enemy is ultimately defeated as we live before the cross of Christ. This collapse of Satan's kingdom is directly related to the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus taught us that himself. Take your Bibles again and go to John chapter 12. We're in the very last week of his passion. The Lord Jesus is about ready to go to the cross. In that same week of his passion, he teaches disciples that the Spirit of God is going to come and that the Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. He says of sin, this is in John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, of sin because they do not believe in me, of judgment because I go to the Father and you see me no more. In other words, the Lord Jesus is already declaring that he is going to rise again from the dead and he's going to go to the Father. And of judgment because the prince of this world has been judged or found out. I brought my judgment against Satan as well. He's going to reveal my power over Satan. Now in John chapter 12, verses 31 and 32, in the week of his passion, the Lord Jesus is speaking to the crowds that are gathering to hear him teach. And the Lord Jesus says this, Now is the judgment of this world. Now is the kind of the penultimate expression of judgment in this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, says John, signifying what death he would die. It was Christ's death and his cross, and it was upon that death and in that death and in that cross that Jesus Christ brought ultimate victory over the power of Satan. The victories that we experience as Christ's disciples, the power that we have over the enemy as he comes against us, and the power we have through Jesus Christ to drive back the darkness of the enemy and the world around us, all is connected to Christ and his defeat of Satan at the cross. The sin that Satan wanted to entice us into, to tempt us into, to bring us into, in order that we might in that sin be separated from God, in order that we might through that sin bring upon us the judgment of God, exposes the control and the means by which he he seeks to exert his power. He seeks to exert his power through being an accuser against us because of our sins. It exposes the way in which Satan seeks to drive a wedge to bring us into destruction. He brings us into sin through temptation, and in that sin he brings accusations upon us. In that sin we're separated from God, and he seeks to drive our separation from God further and further. He wants to separate us from God and his goodness and his life and his benefit. And when he tempts you with whatever good he tempts you with, all he's trying to do is drive a wedge between you and God. He doesn't want you to experience his life and his benefit and his blessing. and He doesn't want you to experience that reciprocal loving relation that comes when you live and surrender to him. Satan delights in our separation and Satan delights in our condemnation. In fact, Satan's power against us is his ability to set us up for the accusations he make against us, then accuse us before God for those sins, and his strategy is thus to separate us from the life that is in God and bring us into complete and full destruction. That's what he does. But at the cross, Christ confronted our judgment. At the cross, Jesus took upon himself 
the sins that we had committed. And the Lord Jesus removed from Satan the true point or basis of his accusations against us. Because Christ bore our sins in our place and paid their debt, he made a way for us to be justly forgiven, to be justly receiving the mercy and grace of God that arrives to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. God did punish our sins. God was just. He punished our sins in himself so that he could justly forgive us and declare us righteous through faith in Jesus Christ because of the work of the cross. And it's there that Christ defeated Satan's power of accusation against us. It's there that Christ fulfilled the full demand of God's justice and defeated Satan at the same time. With our sins removed, with our judgment removed, with Christ given to us as our own righteousness, a way is made for us again to have a relationship with God, to be near Him and bound in Him. In the cross, justice prevails. A relationship and reconciliation with God is restored. And the two strategic arms of the enemy to bring us under accusation and bring us into separation from God are thrown down and defeated. Colossians 2. Take your Bibles there for a moment. Jesus will tell us that the defeat of Satan is ultimately rest in his cross. It's there that the prince of this world will be cast out. But Paul explains a little more fully the, the mechanism by which this takes place or how this takes place. We read this as our scripture reading, Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15. Paul says, you being dead in your trespasses. That's what happened when you fell into sin. You fell under the sentence of death. The law brought you under the sentence of death, and Satan was happy to have it that way, and filling heavens full of accusations against you because of your sin. You were dead in the trespass of your sin, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. In other words, your flesh was cloaked with sin. This drove you away from having a relationship with God. But God has made you alive together with Christ. It says, he, made, he has made alive together with him. God has made you alive together with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses. How did that happen? Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements or the law that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Let me explain to you a moment. When the Romans would crucify an individual, they would have an order put over them of their death that would describe the crimes that they committed and the things that they've been found guilty of, and that would be nailed above their heads on a cross, and then they would be nailed to that cross, and they'd be crucified, paying for the crime that the Roman government said they committed. Paul takes that imagery and says, here is the placard of the crime that's against you. The law speaks against you. Satan demands a punishment for you. And Jesus has taken the crimes that you've committed and he's nailed it to his cross. And he's suffered for your sins there. And he's paid for them in full. And by doing that, he's defeated the enemy in his accusations. In fact, this is what Paul goes on to say. Having done that, he has disarmed the principalities and power. The power of Satan is the power to bring us into sin and then accuse us. And he's been disarmed of that power at the cross. He can't bring his accusations against me anymore. My sins have been paid for in full. He has nothing to hold against me. God has righteously and justly provided for my forgiveness in Jesus Christ at the cross. And the enemy has nothing to hold against me. I've trusted in Christ alone. He is defeated. He's disarmed. He has no power of accusation to bring against me. He's made a public spectacle of him. The picture there is in when a, the Roman soldier would triumph, he'd bring those that he triumphed over to, and he'd make that person march in front of him as he walked in triumph. And God is basically saying the cross is a place where Satan has been exposed and all of his evil and already is being driven out in front of the triumph of Jesus Christ. 
triumphing over them in it. Satan is disarmed. He's displayed as defeated. He's under the triumph of Christ at the cross. There Satan, the accuser, lost his power to accuse us. I confess my sins. I acknowledge I've sinned. I place my faith completely in the death of Jesus Christ and his life given to me on my behalf as a payment for my sins. And Paul says, although sin comes upon me and Satan at times may drive me in my flesh to offend God, Paul says, what I'm able to say, knowing this is truth, is this, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not under condemnation. You can't accuse me. You can't hold that against me. I'm free. I'm free from the law. Oh, happy condition. Jesus has died and there is remission. Bruised by the fall and cursed by the law, Christ has redeemed me once for all. That's our claim. And Satan loses his point of power and influence upon us through the victory of the cross. Well, so much more to unpack here and say. The Lord Jesus speaks about how that we apply that power. It's the enemy will still come against us. First, let me say, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've yet to apply the power that Christ has given you for victory and triumph. You're delivered from the accusations of the enemy when you come under the blood of Jesus Christ and you believe him and you receive him as the one who's paid for and died for your sins. When you've done that, his hold on you is broken and you're free. You're free. Through the name of Jesus Christ, you can pronounce it over all the threats that come against you and all the cohort of demons that come against you and they have to flee. They have to go. They have no possession in your life. They have to go the other way because they know they were defeated in the cross of Jesus Christ and he triumphed over them in that place. At that point at the cross, Satan bruised the heel of the Lord Jesus, but there at the cross, the Lord Jesus crushed the serpent's head. He crushed the serpent's head. So you have to trust him and believe in him then you have that power. And then we go forward in our lives as Christians. And you know what happens? We still stumble in our flesh and we still sin. And the enemy comes along and brings his accusations against us that we're really not changed. We're still under the same condemnation. Why fight it? Why, give, why resist it? Just give in. This is who you are. This is what you're going to be. And it's all accusations. You don't have power. You don't have strength. You can't handle this. And, and we say, no, you have to depart from me because the one who died for me his blood is covering me and forgiving me and I'm washed of these things and I'm pardoned of these things and now because of his forgiveness he lives and he abides within me and you have to leave because you don't belong here anymore. Christ occupies this house. Christ lives here. He lives in this place that he's come to possess. The Lord Jesus actually told a parable. He said if a man tries to somehow bring himself over the stronghold of the enemy in their life by reforming himself, he's like a man who sends a demon out from his life and then he takes his house and he cleans it all out and he tries to eat it all in good repair. He's morally reforming himself to be a good person. And then he says that enemy, that demon goes out and finds seven other demons and he comes back and the man is eight times worse than he was before. If you just try to reform your life, you're just going to find the cycle will come back. This happens in society, by the way. Bad ideas have come in our world over and over again. We push them back. For whatever reason, there's a reformation that takes place of thought, a, a political reformation, a moral reformation. It's driven back, but because the heart of the world is not changed, the cycle comes back worse the next time around. And the next time around, and there's only one way to, to stop it. It's to break the chain entirely. It's to break the stronghold of the enemy by coming away from his accusation, his power. And what it really means is this. You have to have somebody else occupying that house. When you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he forgives you of your sin and then he gives you his spirit to live and abide within us and he dwells within us in all of his fullness. And when Jesus is living in the house, 
There's no room for Satan. He can't come in. We can proclaim the blood of Jesus Christ over our life, the life of Jesus Christ given for us, and the life of Jesus Christ within us, and he has to flee. He has to go. He has no place within us. Now, you can't say you know somebody who knows somebody and have power from that person. You can't find the power of the Lord Jesus by, an associate, by association. You can't come to church and say, well, you know, I go to a Christian church and by association claim that power. In Acts chapter 19, there's the story told of seven sons of a high priest by the name of Sceva. And these seven sons are seeing that Paul has authority in Jesus' name to cast out demons. And so they come before a man and they say before the man who is demon-possessed, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. They're kind of by association. Depart from this man. The demon in the man says, well, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And he falls upon them with such violence that he strips all seven of the men of their clothes and they run out of the house beaten and naked. You can't come against the power of Satan by association with Jesus Christ, by knowing the name, by knowing the truths, by going to church. You have to have believed in him fully for your forgiveness and your cleansing and claimed his blood and his saving work for yourself. Trust him heart, soul, and mind. And then you have to have received him in your life as your fullness in your life, dwelling and abiding within you. And when that happens, the strong man is bound. He's not within your life. And not only that, authority is given to us to push that enemy back. Let's keep that in mind. Let's remember it. Let's ask God to be agents of that life before others. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I want to extend to you a welcome to join our worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church at 1023 East State Street in the Warm Springs area of Boise. To learn more, Go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may God bless you.